Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. So I'm going to read from Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse, I'm going to start in verse 10 and go through 18. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and this will help get us started this morning. And this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, the Apostle Paul. And uh, he's trying to strengthen them, trying to encourage them, and trying to let them know how to get prepared to fight spiritually. And he says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Somebody say, people are not my enemy. Somebody else say, people are not my enemy. Okay, that's 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 good to know, right? Okay, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor, not under armor, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God the Bible. Verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. It says, stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Father, I pray that in these next few minutes that we have, God, I'm praying that no matter who we are, no matter where we came from, no matter how this morning was trying to get to church, no matter how this week was, God, we pray that in this moment, God, that you would open up our hearts, open up our ears. God, we want to hear what it is that you're saying. Help us to put the walls down that would keep us from you and help us to silence the voices that would speak contrary to you. In Jesus' mighty name, can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to have some fun today. I'm excited about this message. I'm a little fired up about this message, and you'll see why in a minute. Uh, But we're continuing the series. This is part four, a series we've been doing called Speak Life. And actually, this is Speak Life is the theme for our church for this entire year, 2019. Uh, We feel like this is something that God has spoken to us out of uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. There's this whole account where God is speaking to a prophet and the whole nation of Israel was in this vision was basically scattered bones around this plain. And God said, prophesy to those bones, speak life into them. And it says they came together and formed a mighty living army for God. And I believe that when we look at our city, when we look at our valley, we look at the places where we live, that God is putting in us the opportunity and not just the ability, but an opportunity to speak life into the dead, dark, dry places around us that seem like there's no life whatsoever. God says, speak life. And that's what we're going to be doing this year. It's not just speaking, but it's also stepping out in faith in our actions to do what we're speaking. It's one thing to speak, right? It's another thing to speak and then go and do. And that's what we're looking to do this year. Uh, But we need to understand that the reason why our speech is so important is because our words have power. Somebody say amen to that. Your words have power. 
Proverbs 18, 21, and the message says, words kill, words give life, they're either poison or they're fruit you choose. The words that we speak, we, uh, a little while back we even did this thing where uh, I always say I love it when science proves what God's already said, you know, instead of the contrary when it's trying to prove that God doesn't exist. they like, hey, we discovered this. And all of a sudden you see, wow, that's in the word of God. God already, that's cool how you did that, God. Okay. But we discovered how when you speak a word, positive or negative, negative words have an immediate reaction in your brain where your brain literally within a second begins to release chemicals to try to fight what is happening in your brain because of a negative word. And it says that the words that you speak, they release these chemicals that begin to burn permanent neurons in your brain and actually begin to embed that negative code into your actual physical DNA that you get to pass on from generation to generation. This is the science stuff. These are, these are individuals that they, they, they don't even necessarily believe in God or Christianity or the Bible. They're proving this through science. And so the same is true on the positive side of things. If you begin to speak positive words into your life, into the life of the people around you, it does the same thing. It begins to burn, to burn these permanent neurons in your brain that get embedded into your DNA code and you literally get to, through your body and through having children, begin to pass on positive DNA from generation to generation to generation. And so we've been kind of challenging each other throughout this series on, okay, what are you going to choose? You're going to choose life or are you going to choose death? Are you going to, are you going to choose uh, fruit that is sweet or are you going to choose poison with our words? And obviously I hope that we're getting to the point where we can all say, hey, you know, you know what, in my life I'm going to choose to speak life. And uh, last week the message was um, standing room only. And, and I talked about what in your life are you not going to bow down to or bow out to? What in your life is there standing room only? That you're going to stand for your marriage, you're going to stand for your family, you're going to stand for God, you're going to stand for people. Come on, in, the people are not our enemy. People that talk against us, people that position themselves against us. That's not our enemy. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. And so are we going to speak life and take a stand for God? Because, you know, if you take a stand for God the right way, then you won't actually position yourself against people. That doesn't mean that somebody won't receive it in that way, but you're not becoming anti, you're becoming for. For people, for God, for his love and his grace to be communicated. And so I, I'm hoping that if you didn't hear that, hit us up on our, our podcast on iTunes and Spotify, hit our Hit up our website, you'll be able to see it there today. But listen, in all seriousness, I came to church today uh, with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, with a little bit of uh, extra fire in in my spirit, and I'm hoping today that as I speak, that it's going to inspire purpose inside of you. I hope that as I speak and God begins to use it, that it's going to encourage you, that it's going to build faith inside of you. Because I'm, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I get a little bit tired of seeing the enemy get away with kicking people around and people just take it. Because you don't have to. You don't have to take it. It's actually, it's optional whether you take what you're being kicked with or whether you do something about it. 
And, uh, and for far too long, I've seen uh, too much of this picture of, hey, for all these, you know, if you're a Christian, if you love Jesus, then that just means that you're weak and it means that you're quiet. It means that, you know, you know the Bible says if you get smacked, turn the cheek. And, and I get that. We're not, but we're, again, we're not talking about lashing out at people. We're talking about identifying who the real enemy is and then taking a stand for it. And so we're, we're today, the, the title of the message today is Never Fight Alone. What can't continue to happen is for us to just think, well, that's just, you know, that's, that's just normal. That's just normal, right? We live, in a, we live in a sinful, broken world, right? So it's just, it just is what it is. And, and I would say, okay, yes and no. Yes, we do live in a sinful, broken world. Sin exists. Uh, brokenness exists. Disease exists. Uh, negative and bad things do exist. But no, we don't just have to accept it as being the way that it is. Because here's the thing. If you fight alone, you die alone. If you fight alone, you die alone. And even if on a great day you win, you have nobody to celebrate with. You have nobody to celebrate with. Either one of those uh, scenarios for me doesn't sound like a lot of fun. I don't want to be alone. And you're not supposed to be alone. You're not supposed to do life alone. That's one of the biggest purposes behind God's heart for starting the local church. Isn't so that you can have something to do on a weekend because no one else has anything to do on a weekend. It's not so that you can check your religious boxes. It's so that you can be in an environment with people in community that you are going to walk with, that you are going to get to know, people who are going to have your back, people that are going to help you along the journey that are headed in the same direction that you're headed. Have you ever noticed how brave people get when they, they know somebody's with them that's got their back? <laughs> I, had, I had a buddy of mine uh, play, when I was playing basketball in high school, and he was, man, he had a mouth. And, he, he was, and it was almost a talent, almost a gift, the ability for him to just talk trash the way he did. But he wasn't a big guy. And so he, he was smart. He picked and chose his moments. There were a couple of times, I think, where he was still learning, where he got a little too mouthy but didn't have, he wasn't in the right spot. And so, you know, it kind of caught up to him. But there, for whatever reason, when I was around him, he loved to get brave. And he, and he loved to get bold. And he would, man, he would talk smack and guys would come at him. And then he would, you know, just, just interestingly enough, like thrust himself behind me. And then like try to reach through me as if I was the one keeping him from unleashing the havoc of what, he's like, oh yeah, hold, hold me back. Hold, and I'm like, I'm not holding you back. You're hiding behind me. I'm holding these guys back because they're going to crush you. You know, it, but it's just, it's hilarious how, you know, you'll, you'll have so much more bravery and courage when you know that there's somebody standing with you that's going to have your back, you know, whether it's a great situation or not. But check this out. I want to read this to you from Philippians, another book in the New Testament from the Apostle Paul in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 27 to 28. It says, above all, you must, say, that's me. Okay, we're getting there. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. I love that because we could, that could teach all by itself because a lot of times we're trying to identify where our citizenship is and where our loyalties lie. And, and it gets really mixed up and really confused. But it starts with the fact that if you are a Jesus follower, your citizenship just changed. A new priority level just came to the top and it's called a citizen of heaven. It says, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that, listen to this, you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together 
for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed. I love that. And, uh, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. So life is a fight. There's really no option. There's no way around that. There's no, there's no, I don't think there's really a, a legitimate choice for there not to be a battle in your life. The reason is, is because the devil hates everything that God loves. And guess what? If you didn't know it already this morning, God loves you. And so if God loves you, that means that the devil hates you, which means that the very purpose that God created you for is something that was put together to smash in the teeth of the devil. Again, the enemy is not going to like that. Therefore, life is a battle. And so you either can just get kicked around in life and just think, hey, man, that's just how it's supposed to be. You know, I'm never going to, you know, I've just, I've always had money problems. I'm never going to have my finances together. But, you know, some people are born with it. Some people aren't. That's just the way it's going to be. I just have to deal with it. Or, you know what, uh, you know, I'm, it's getting old fighting with my spouse. We're fighting all the time. But that's just marriage, right? That's normal. That's just the way that it's supposed to be. Or, you know, my, my kids are, are losing their minds, and that's making me lose my mind. But, hey, that's just parenting, right? That's just the way it's supposed to be. And the reality is, is that no, that's not the way it's supposed to be because you need to fight. You need to stand up. You need to decide that you're going to take a stand. And again, it's not against your spouse. It's not against your kids. It's not against your boss who refuses and keeps overlooking you for the raise. It's not towards anybody else, but we have to identify the right enemy in order for us to be able to fight and do what we're supposed to do. So I need to challenge you this morning. Is that okay? Can I poke you in the chest a little bit and then I'll hug you later? Is that, is that all right? I want to challenge you a little bit this morning. But uh, here's the deal. We need to stop acting like you are destined to lose. You need to stop living like a victim and like everybody's out to get you. You need to stop living like nothing is your fault and everyone's doing everything to you. Uh, there's a hug coming. It's coming. But it's time to start speaking life into your situation. It's time to start standing on what the word of God says about you. It's time to start surrounding yourself with people who will walk with you and have your back against the correct enemy. The concept of having friends, you know, friends having your back is not like a new concept. It's not some biblical revelation. But I think that if we don't have the right perspective, then this, then this concept gets used in the wrong way. And, uh, and too often in life, sometimes people just get aligned with the wrong friends. And they may actually be legitimate friends, but you have to ask yourself a question. Are these so-called friends, are they giving me bad advice? Like if you have that, that girlfriend is just like, you know, you're, you had a fight with your husband. And you show up and you're telling him what was going on. She's like, you need to leave him. It's like, disclaimer, if homeboy is hurting you and abusing you, we should talk about that. That's not a stay situation. Let's get yourself out of there and let's get things healthy. But that's not the case most of the time. Because, yeah, if you're married, guess what? You're going to fight. If you haven't yet, just give it time. You will. That's okay. Fighting in marriage is not a sign of a broken marriage. It's a sign of two people in a marriage. <laughs> it's okay. But it shouldn't stay that way. That's why marriage is a long journey because you are learning how to love, not the way that you learn how to love, the way that the other person needs to be loved. You're learning how to communicate. You're learning how to not be a selfish jerk. You're learning how to serve. You're learning how to prefer somebody else. You're learning how to take two individual lives and make them one. And that doesn't happen in two years. 
That doesn't happen in 10 years. As a matter of fact, you talk to people that have been married for 50 and 60 years, which is harder and harder to find. And one of the things they'll tell you is that, yeah, we're just still working on our marriage. We're just learning how to do this. And we're like, whoa, give me some hope. No, no. But it's not supposed to stay that way. If you have people who are, uh, who are your friends and they say they got your back, but they're not speaking uh, the standards of God's word into your life, they're speaking things that are contrary to the word of God, then you need to ask yourself, is this the right person to have my back? People that are, they act like your friends, but they're actually kind of out for themselves, not really there for you. You need to ask yourself, does this person really have my back? You're going to need people in your life who are going to speak life when you may not have the strength to speak life into your own situation. Instead of having the yes friends that just want to come in and rile you up and, and get you even more upset about what you're already upset about, you need to have people who are going to say, you know what, you're not thinking about this right. You need to have people in your life who are going to say, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think you should do that. I don't think that's the right direction to go. Actually, I think this is what you should do. Yeah, but he did this to me. Well, you can turn that around by speaking life into the situation, which is not just some Christian metaphor, some cliche thing. It is actually taking the choice and taking the stance to say, I'm going to speak into this. Well, maybe it doesn't even exist yet, but I'm going to speak it as if it does already exist. But listen, teams win battles. I don't know if you guys knew this. Teams win battles. Um, it's been said even in the sports world. I'm, I'm, I don't know if anyone here is a basketball fan or NCAA, March Madness type of situation. Man, this has been a great year. I mean, I'm not too pleased because uh, I've always been a Duke guy and, and – and they didn't work out too well for him. I mean, it, for a couple of them, it will next year because they're going to get contracts. It's going to be beautiful. But you know why Duke didn't win? They got all the talent. They didn't play like a team. They didn't fight like a team. They fought like individuals. They love each other, I believe. I'm, I haven't really had a conversation with them. It looks like they do. Um, but they, they played individual ball. They played, they played within their own talents, hoping that it would work out that way. And so I, I, I didn't even know that Texas Tech was a college. And, uh, and so... I mean, I guess, I guess they have a decent football program. Some dude, I don't know whoever he is, came out of there. Um, but, yeah, apparently they play basketball, too, and now they're going to be in the championship game uh, against the University of Virginia. And so we have these two teams that are going to be playing for the championship that even though one of them was, like, one of the top-ranked teams, I still there's a whole lot of people that did not pick UVA to be where they are. And, uh, and I don't know if anybody, anybody here picked Texas Tech to go all the way? I didn't think so. Okay. Um, but, they, but they are. They're in it. Why? Because they have learned how to, to battle as a team. They've learned how to battle as a team. Teams win battles. Now, check this out. Let me read this to you from Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4. And it says that uh, two people are better than one. I love it. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls... The other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. <laughs> Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better because a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Listen, someone who truly has your back is someone who fights with you and for you even when you're not looking, even when you're not with them. Somebody who will speak up for you when other people are trying to tear you down, 
when you're not in their presence, who will still fight for you, who will still stand for you, who will still, even when they're not with you, they're gonna pray for you. They're gonna pray for what you're going through. They're gonna believe for what you need that God says you can have, but maybe you don't have the strength and the faith to believe for it yourself. And we already read that passage when we started in Ephesians chapter six, talking about uh, being ready for battle. You need the full armor of God. I wanted to find that. There's, there's this dude. Have you, I don't know if you've seen this on, on social media. I love this guy. He's like, he's like, like a, a hardcore, like former gangster. And anyone see? This? I don't even know his name, but he's he's doing like the. He's, all right, so I'm getting some head nods. And he's like popping and locking and like putting on like the helmet of salvation. He's just going. I wanted to play that, but I couldn't find it anyway. Um, it's awesome. Like he just fires me up. I'm like this dude is so hardcore. I want that dude to have my back. Anyway, but like there's there's this whole uh, defense armor that we get to put on so that we can fight, so that we can do battle. But there's one significant missing piece of the armor, if you were to read through this whole thing again, and that is there's no, there's no, there's no covering on your back. There, there's no back plate of retreat. There, there's nothing behind you to protect you. And so now I've heard some people say, well, that's because you're never supposed to retreat. No matter what, you just move forward, you're just doing your thing, you're standing in faith, and you're never going to get knocked down, you're never going to fall. I'm like, well, that's, that's not true. Well, so what do we do? We have our back exposed. What are we supposed to do with that? Well, that's, that's for somebody else. That's for somebody else to cover. Now, Keith, come here for a second. We're going to, I told Keith I was going to need like, now, you know, may, maybe you think you could take me. We're not going to wrestle, by the way. Just, no. I mean, we're 40. We can't do this stuff anymore. Okay. <clears throat> but, I mean, maybe I can be, you know, over, maybe I can hold my own here. But if I'm not looking, somebody can come up from behind me and they can take me out. Where you're not focused is usually where the enemy tries to come in. Even if you're focused on the right things. You can be focused on what is right. You can be focused on loving Jesus all day long. You can be focused on being in your word. You can be focused on ministering to people in your city. You can be focused on doing all the right things and still miss the attack coming from the rear. But here's the deal. Now, if I'm this way and I'm fighting... And I got my boy Keith back here, which he has had my back a little bit right there. Okay, anyway. And he has had my back for years, which is, this is an easy example for us. I know that I'm good. I don't necessarily have to know what's going on back here because I know my boy's got my back. I know that I can continue to fight. And here's the deal. Even if I fall from the front, I know that my friend is going to be there to grab me and help me back up. Or in the worst case scenario, if I fall, he'll be there to take me off of the battlefield so that I can be healed. And that's the power, like, and same thing for Keith. He's going, he's going. He's like, hey, I need a little help. Boom, I'm right there. Bang. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock him out. Don't you touch my boy. I'm about to drop you. Anyway, all right. That was easy. That was easy enough. Good job. I know you got my back. You always have. Anyway, does that make sense? Like, I want to make it visual. Uh, we, we can talk about all these, like, you know, spiritual analogies, and we can turn them into metaphors all the time. But the reality is, is that you need a real physical person who you can trust people that you can trust who are going to have your back when you are doing life. Because there are going to be seasons of life where everything feels great, then there's going to be seasons of life where you feel like everything is against you. And maybe you're in one of those two right now. But listen, the whole reason why we do Convo Church is so that you can come here and find people and meet people, not perfect people. None of us are perfect. And guess what? The best, uh, the best person that's going to have your back may also have moments where they're not there all the time. But you know what? That's why we do this together. 
Because you need somebody who's going to be there for you. And it's not just one person. You need a community of people who are going to be there for you. Convo Church is not for perfect people. The moment that I showed up, that went out the door. This is a place where people, even if you don't believe yet, you can still belong and be a part of this thing. Because we believe that the message of God, the hope that is there, getting people to understand God's love and God's grace is going to open up your life at some point in time, maybe now, maybe later, to understand that you having your life in the hands of a loving God is going to be greater than anything that you could ever do on your own. Thank you. That was a good place for an amen right there. All right, so let's, let's kind of, let's, let's turn this around a little bit. We can, we can focus on other people having our back, but how do you have somebody's back? How can you have somebody back? I'm gonna give you three things real quick. This is how you can have somebody's back. And uh, I should have said it up front, but we always encourage people, take notes, write stuff down. We're speaking to your Monday through Saturday. This is not just a speech for Sunday morning. This is a message for your life. So number one, how can you have someone's back? Pray, pray, pray for them. Verse 18 uh, in, the, in the passage in Ephesians, it says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. For who? For all believers. Where? Everywhere. Everybody. Just get everybody. Like you may know some by name and you may, you may not know the most of their names and who they are. But you know, you can still pray for the church all over the world, even if you never meet them in this life. Because praying for the saints of God, which are the believers, the Jesus followers, is something that will strengthen all of us. Pray for them. Pray for those in your daily life. Can I, can I be selfish? Pray for your pastors. It's like asking for a back scratch or something. Pray for, thank you, Chris. Uh, pray for your pastors. We need it because we're real people. Pastors are people too, man. Anyway, sorry. Pray for your pastors because guess what? We've got your back. We've got your back. We're praying for you. We're praying through. Our team is praying for you. Our dream team is praying for you. And uh, praying for our city. Pray for your church. Some people say, well, if you, don't, if you don't like something that you see, don't go shopping to find something that you do like. Pray for that situation in your church. You actually may be the very answer that is needed to something that you see that's missing. Let that sink in for a little bit. Pray for your crew. That's our small groups. Pray for the people that, you know, maybe on a Sunday morning, you'll probably never be able to build deep relationships with everybody here on a Sunday morning. That's okay. And we're going to continue to grow, and there will be a time where you're like, man, I don't even know most of these people here. That's okay. That's why we do what the Bible teaches in Acts chapter 2. We meet together for, for a church service so we can all get pumped up, love Jesus, get prayed for, get filled up, and then boom, we go out and be the light of Jesus to the world around us. But we have crews, we have small groups, so that you can begin to do life with a small group of people and strengthen each other, be arm in arm with each other, have each other's backs. So that's one. Pray. Here's number two. Be faithful in community. This is something that we say here when we take uh, people through Engage, which I hope you'll join me afterwards today for session one. It's my favorite one. Be faithful in community. You will get from a community what you put into it. I want to preach a message one time. It's not going to happen yet. But I'm going to talk about consumer Christianity and how it is the worst in America. We, we show up to church for what we can get out of it. We treat church like a country club that becomes a membership where we have privileges and rights. That's never what the church was ever supposed to be. And by the way, this, that's not what this church will ever be. The moment that you're, you've been here for a couple of weeks, I like to say that we're going to need you. We're going to need you to step up because you know what? Someone's going to need your seat. And some, some, someone's going to need to, to minister to your child. And someone's going someone's to need what God has put inside of you. 
And so we don't do consumer Christianity combo church where it's all about me getting what I think I need. We come with an attitude to say, God, help me to be what you've created me to be. Now help me engage in this community so that I can do what you've created me to do within this context so that as a community we can impact our city. This morning, you're here. And some people are going to hear this on a, pod, on a podcast that are not here, and that's great. If you're going to listen to this, this is my invitation. Wherever you're listening to it, come and be here. We want to meet you in person. But listen, there are people at home who don't know, they're struggling, they're hurting, they're broken, and they don't know that a place like this even exists where they can show up and not have all their stuff together, that they can show up and not have everything figured out and still be okay, that they're going to be loved and they're going to be hugged, which some people don't like that, but that's okay, I'm a hugger. And they're going to have a place where people are going to bring them and encourage them and love them just the way that they are. They don't, some people don't even know that that isn't an option. And so whose responsibility is it to make sure that people know that there's something out there for them? That's us. Somebody said mine. I love that. Own it. Individually, that is my responsibility. That is our responsibility. The more faithful we are in our community together, the stronger we will be to be able to fight for each other and, check this out, begin to fight for those who don't even know that there's a fight going on around them. Number three, last one, be diligent in the word. It's kind of hard to stand on the word of God if you don't know what the word of God says. And I, I've said this a lot recently to, you know, my own crew and to others. Like, we're, we're not going to be, and I don't say this insultingly at all, because everyone's coming from different backgrounds. And so it's, it's, a, it, it's, it's a challenge to take all the, the dozens and dozens of different backgrounds and what you were raised in or not raised in and bring it together and have everybody be unified in purpose. And we're, we're doing it. We're getting there. But here's the thing. We're not going to be a biblically illiterate church. We're not going to be a church that gets together and makes a whole lot of noise and has, has substance in our own community that's about a half an inch deep. And then we just go out and we continue to live like everyone else lives, hopeless, broken, and, and still replicating the same brokenness from generation to generation. No, we will be a church that has a passion and a heart for the word of God, not because it's religious, but because it's life, because it's light to our feet. It shines a light so we know how to walk. It's the instruction manual for life so that we can understand who God is, who we are, and how God placed us here in order to be that same love, that same grace, that same light to the city around us. Now check this out. I'm going to end this. I got, uh, I got five more minutes. And so I'm going to end this with one, a really cool story that I love. And uh, if you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to have it up on the screen. But uh, in 1 Samuel, it's in the Old Testament. There's this really cool account in chapter 14. And uh, the, uh, if you kind of study some of Israel's history, they didn't always have a traditional king like many other kingdoms did. Uh, they literally, God was their king. And he would have prophets that he would speak through. Now, eventually, Israel got, you know, away from the Lord. And they, and they literally said, we, we just want to be like the other nations. Can we have a king? And eventually, God said, fine. You've rejected me as king. You can have one of your own. And so their very first king was a guy named Saul. And uh, he had a son named Jonathan, and that's who this story is about. Starting in verse 1, then I'm going to skip over to verse 4. And this is a really, this is kind of an inspirational story. I love it. It kind of gets me fired up. It says, one day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, now for that armor bearer was somebody who had your back. It was somebody who helped make sure that going into war that you had all the weapons that you needed. And, and they would be there right with you the entire time. One day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, and he said, come on, let's go over where the Philistines have their outposts. Philistines, it was a nation of Philistia. They, they were constantly at battle and enemies with Israel, and they were constantly going back and forth. 
In verse 4 it says, to reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called uh, Bozes and Sinai. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash. Man, there's some cool places. And one of them on the south was in front of, of, uh, of Geba. He says, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. He's getting fired up, I can tell. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, perhaps the Lord will help us. He says, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. And uh, it's almost like he was giving a little pep talk for him and his armor bearer. And they were getting ready to do this thing. And, uh, and so uh, his armor bearer said, do what you think is best. And, uh, and so we will cross over and let us see. If they say to us, stay where, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we'll, then we'll stop and not go up to them. Okay, that sounds reasonable. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he, is, uh, that he will help us defeat them. And when the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. <laughs> No, it's just, it's normal. Trash talk is normal. That's what's happening here. Gives me confidence because I won't feel so bad when I do when I play basketball. Anyway, he says, come on up, climb right up behind me. He said that to his, uh, to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. And so they climbed up using both hands and feet. So you kind of get a visual. They're not just kind of like going up a hill. They're literally rock climbing to get to this position. And it says, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan. And his armor bearer killed those who came in behind him. I love that. We can't forget how important it is to have people that have your back. It says they killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about a half an acre. There's some really good, like, battle R-rated movies in the Old Testament just waiting to be made. Anyway, uh, it says, suddenly panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and on the field, including even the outposts and the raiding parties. And just then, shockingly enough, an earthquake struck and everyone was terrified. It says, Saul's lookouts in Gibeah of Benjamin saw a strange sight. The vast army of Philistines began to melt away in every direction. Now check this out. I love that story. You got two, I mean, yeah, Israel has this huge, they have their own army. But you have two guys who decide enough is enough. We're tired of seeing these people uh, talk about our God and, and, and come in and raid our towns and, and defeat us and kick us and knock us around like we're nothing. We're tired of taking it. You know what? We're going to go fight this thing. Hey, you got my back? Good. You got my back? Let's go. And, uh, you, know, you know, we don't even need a whole bunch of us because God's going to fight for us. God's going to battle for us. God's going to do maybe what we can't even do ourselves. And I'm praying and I'm hoping today that somebody here would get that same fire in your spirit about your life and about what's going on in your family, about what's going on in your city. Instead of us taking to the poison of, of Instagram and just spewing all of our negative opinions out there with everybody else, and when you see somebody that you agree with, then we tag team somebody we disagree with, and we just take it to them that way. Instead of fighting against those that are not actually our enemy, that we would get fired up about going after the one who actually is our enemy, who wants to steal and kill and destroy who you are, who God made you to be, and for you to stand up as a man of God, as a woman of God, and begin to realize that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Begin to realize that you are more than a conqueror. Begin to realize that you were not made to be kicked around. And I don't care what your parents told you growing up. I don't care what your grandparents said to you. I don't care if anybody said you're good for nothing. You're just going to be like so-and-so. Prove them different by being who God created you to be. Stand up and fight. 
Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.